Thank you for joining us for the Teacher Servant King message series. Let's prepare our hearts for what God has to say to us today. Jesus Christ is our servant. Jesus Christ is our servant. And when you know who Jesus is, and when you understand his role in the universe, those words, Jesus is our servant, they're really quite surprising words, aren't they? Surprising because they mean that Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God, the incarnate God in the flesh, he bent over backwards to concern himself with the needs of others. Because that's exactly the thing that servants do again and again and again. Jesus Christ is our servant. And there's hardly a person in this world who would ever equate the door to greatness as being a servant's entry, would they? And yet that's the route that Jesus Christ chose to take. Listen to some of the things that Jesus said about servanthood. These are his words in Mark 9. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Mark 10, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. Officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the, listen to this, slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's us. John chapter 13. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. He's talking to his disciples, right? You ought to wash each other's feet. Whoa. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master. Luke 22, but among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. And then again from Luke chapter nine, whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. And I think sometimes we get this notion that lots of the things that Jesus said when he was walking around planet earth was just like conventional wisdom in his day. We get to thinking, well, that's just how everyone thought back then, but I gotta tell you, that couldn't be further from the truth. The people who were listening to Jesus say those incredibly radical things about servanthood and becoming less and the least and all of this, disciples included, they were people. They were people just like you, people just like me, people whose natural leanings ran directly counter to every last thing that Jesus ever said about servanthood. That's true because there's this common thread that weaves throughout all of humanity, down through all of history, an interest that we all share, and you know what it's called? Self-interest, me first, There's even an undercurrent in the church that says, if we'll just follow the clean living precepts of Christianity, well then God will reward me with prosperity and a consistent rise in status. Me, me, me. And in the very face of our inclination toward me, Jesus Christ comes and he declares this radical notion about servanthood. I served you, so you go serve one another. I served you, so you go serve one another, Jesus says 
to us. And in light of Jesus' commendation to us to do just that, serve one another, I want us to together today take a road trip. I want you to imagine that we're all getting on a church bus, a bus that looks something like this right here. We're all going to pile into that bus and we're going to head out together to discover something of what it might look like for us to serve one another in the ways that Christ urges us to. I want you to imagine that we've all loaded that bus. We're pulling out of the commons parking lot. The first stop that we're going to make is at your house. Sorry, you didn't know we were coming, did you? We're going to stop at your house. We're all going to file in through your front door. We're going to crowd around your living room. We want all your family members there as well. And we're going to call together sort of a family meeting. A meeting focused on this question, what would it look like for you to take up Jesus' directive to serve one another within the context of your very own family? What would it look like for you to take up Jesus' directive to serve one another in the context of your own family? And we're standing right there in the middle of your living room. And see, it's my conviction from embarrassing patterns I've observed in my own life that it's often in our own homes with our own families, with the people whom we love the very most or the very closest to in this world, that we, at least me, so many times in so many ways, neglect Christ's admonition to us to serve one another. And I don't believe this is an intentional neglect of Christ's command, but rather I think it's part of the cultural creep, I'll call it, of me I and my that's managed to find its way, wedge its way into our homes, wedge its way into our family dynamics, dynamics I find in my own life with like disturbing regularity. See if this resonates with you. If you're anything like me, from the moment your feet hit the floor first thing in the morning, you're on a mission, aren't you? All of us are on a mission, and sure, we'd love to say that our primary mission we live on most every day is Christ, but so much of the time, if we're honest, it's another mission that we're living on, our mission, my mission, a mission all about me, a mission of all the things I have to get done today, a mission of all the things I really want to get done today, and unfortunately, serving one another in the way that Christ invites us to doesn't at least in our way of thinking, lend itself very well to all the things that I want to get done today, all the things I have to get done today, does it? The idea of serving one another like Christ invites us to becomes very often an interruption to the primary focus of the day, which is my agenda, my plans, my wants, my, 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 my. But the instruction of Jesus to us, serve one another, turns the typical me-centered equation all around, doesn't it? Instead of the day being all about my agenda, my plans, my wants, my, 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 Jesus says, look, you, you who follow me, you who claim my name, you make your day all about serving one another like I served you. And remember, we're talking about your family right now. We're in your living room. And I don't think that serving one another in your family requires that you quit your job or never make plans for yourself. What I think it does require is that every day, every one of us considers just what it looks like for us to, listen carefully to this, what it looks like for us to serve one another's hearts. What does it look like for us to serve one another's hearts? Now we all know that there's this sort of ordinary servanthood thing that happens in our families, right? Things like picking up after yourself, offering to help each other out, maybe doing something for someone without ever being asked, just just serving, right? That's ordinary servanthood, I'll call it. 
That's some of what Jesus has in mind for us when he commends us to serve one another. But I believe that there's another level of servanthood that Jesus invites and calls and commends us to take up. And it's actually serving each other in a heart kind of way. Serving one another at the level of someone else's heart. And when we serve one another in a heart kind of way, it goes way beyond just picking up your shoes from the entryway. Way, way beyond that. Rather, heart-level service one to another, especially in the context of family life, means that we serve one another by taking up the things that our loved ones are carrying at the level of their heart. You get that? Where we actually take up the things that our loved ones, our family members are carrying at the level of their heart. And parents, we ought to be doing this with our kids. Kids, you ought to be doing this with your siblings. Married people, you ought to be doing this with your spouse. Kids, you can do this with your parents, even. This isn't a top-down thing. Serving one another at the level of our hearts can be a very grassroots, bottom-up kind of thing. Recently, one of our kids, I won't tell you who because I don't want to embarrass them, one of our kids and I were having a texting conversation. And this texting conversation got real serious real, real fast, like that fast. And I don't mean in an argumentative kind of way, but in a, like a, whoa, this is a heavy conversation we're having via text right now. What I learned in that texting conversation is that one of our kids was lugging around something that had such immense emotional weight to it that I actually had no idea how they would even be able to function while carrying this thing, this concern around. I wouldn't have been able to. Now, I have to admit, sometimes I can get so caught up in my agenda for the day, everything that I have to get done by the end of the day, that there are moments, I've had moments, when just to get on to the next thing, I would have responded to this texting conversation, or one like it was something like, oh, I'm really sorry, you'll get through it, just keep pressing on, let's go, right? And then I'd have moved on to the next thing. But not this time. Not this time. I just knew in my soul that that would have been a wholly inadequate response to this circumstance. That kind of response, actually, in light of the incredibly weighty nature of what my kid was carrying right then, would have actually been bordering on like parental neglect, frankly. And so we continued our conversation via text. My sole agenda for the rest of that texting conversation became, what can I do to serve my kid by taking up this deep and heavy heart concern that they're carrying right now? How can I help take this up? I have to help take this up. And so I helped lead that conversation toward a plan that included my helping to relieve this burden that they were carrying. Later that night, I got home from a very long day and I continued to help walk that plan that we made out together, doing my best to let my kid know, I'm carrying this with you. I'm carrying this with you. We'll resolve this concern in such a way that you can move on being free from this burden very, very shortly. I'm praying for you. I hope you're praying on this. I want you to be free from this. And friends, I want you to hear me really clearly. I get this wrong way, way more than I get this right. But this time, this way, with God's help, I believe that we touched into something of what it looks like for us to serve one another like Christ served us within the context of our families. This goes way, way beyond just the chore level of servanthood, just doing whatever needs to be done, right? There's this 
heart-level, burden-bearing service that engages with our loved ones in such a way that it doesn't leave their heart the same way that we found it. And I believe to my core that any time we go out of our way and surprise someone with a level of self-sacrifice and go out of your way, heart-level servanthood for them, that it registers profoundly on the human heart, perhaps changing the whole relational dynamic that exists right then. Because in just a moment, that person who you go out of your way to serve goes like, whoa, what is going on? I've never felt this before you're actually picking this up and carrying it, whoa. And it melts something inside of the human heart. It changes something inside of a human heart. And I don't know this for sure, but I'd guess that some of you are finding yourself in quite a tough spot relationally with someone in your family right now. It's the holidays, right? That happens especially this time of year. Maybe for you it's your spouse or maybe for you it's a child or maybe kids. For you it's a parent. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? Could I just ask you to consider what you could do to serve that person who you're finding yourself to be at odds with. And I'm not talking about like in the honey I clean the garage kind of way. But actually serving them at the level of their heart. Where you engage with them and you put your arm around them and you say, you know, I know this has been really, really difficult. I'm so sorry for my part in making it difficult. And I really want to help you bear this burden that I know that you're carrying right now. I think I have some ideas about how I might be able to help. You just put your arm around that person and you just have that conversation. Could I urge you to do just that? And would you just invite God to show up and do something absolutely spectacular, miraculous perhaps, in that relationship through you serving one another like Jesus commends us to in a heart kind of way. All right, so we finished our family meeting up at your house. We're going to walk back out the front door. We're going to get back on the bus. And this time, we're going to take a little drive out to the airport. The next part of our trip requires that we fly over oceans to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. And by the way, if you've never flown Ethiopian Airlines, this is a bucket list item. You have to put a trip on Ethiopian Airlines on your bucket list because it is a cultural experience like no other, I promise you. We're going to fly over the ocean. That big plane's going to land in Addis Ababa. We're going to get on another bus and we're going to pull up in front of an organization called Bring Love In. Bring Love In is one of Journey's global mission outreach partners. And every single year, not just in Ethiopia, but all over the developing world, tens of thousands of children are orphaned. Let's try to get your head around that. Tens of thousands of children are orphaned every single year. Disease and poverty leave an unspeakable wake of tragedy that boggles the mind and tears at our hearts. In Ethiopia in particular, many orphaned children are brought into overrun government orphanages, which are stretched beyond explanation to be cared for. The cash-strapped Ethiopian government tries hard to supply the bare minimum funding for these orphanages, but leaves the directors and staff to figure out how to serve ever-increasing orphan populations with ever-decreasing levels of funding. Realizing this very serious dilemma, Levi and Jesse Bankert, with insatiable hearts to serve one another, just like Jesus challenges us to do, founded Bring Love In, to create, get this, permanent 
forever families made up of a widow who wants to be a mom and a handful of orphans from these overcrowded, underfunded government orphanages. It's a beautiful thing. To date, dozens of orphaned children have found permanent forever families in forever homes through the ministry of Bring Love In. And Journey Church, almost since the inception of Bring Love In, you've been a part of making their vision a reality, a vital part of making their vision a reality. Countless numbers of you have prayed tirelessly for Bring Love In. Others of you along the way have sponsored the houses where the Bring Love In families live. Others of you have supported Bring Love In through our partnership with them via Advent Conspiracy in years past. Some of you have even been to Bring Love In on a journey serving team, helping teach English to all of the children who live in the Bring Love In families. Check this out. One couple from our church even started a dog toy company whose profits are given to Bring Love In specifically to help feed the kids whose entire life trajectory has been transformed by this Christ-serving ministry. Dog toys being sold to feed orphans. How cool and amazing is that? It's the part of serving one another related to the global poor that Jesus talks about. That's my pen. It's going back there for now. It's part of serving one another related to the global poor that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 37. This is what Jesus says. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, this is Jesus talking, I tell you the truth. When you did any of those things to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. When you did all those things, when you fed or when you gave drink or when you showed hospitality or when you gave clothing, when you visited one in prison, when you took in an orphan, when you gave generously to any of those, Jesus says you were doing it to me. You were doing it to me. Jesus commends us to serve one another in the same way that he has served us. And that directive from our Savior, Jesus Christ, extends far beyond the boundaries of just our town, our state, our nation. It actually extends to all people all the way around the world. Jesus says, look, when you put a serving towel over your arm and you serve the poor and the oppressed and the orphan and the widow, those in prison, the refugees even, Jesus says, you're actually serving me, he says. And Journey, we have an amazing opportunity together to serve the least of these via Bring Love In in this season. See, one of Bring Love, in, Bring Love In's biggest expenses they carry, one of their biggest overheads, one of their biggest financial drains is the monthly rent they pay on all those houses for the families that they serve and oversee. I think the number is something like seven or eight houses that they rent for the families. It's an extraordinary amount of rent they pay every month, and it's rent, right? It means that that expense goes on forever because these families will have need of a home for years and years and years and years and years to come. Which is why some of our leaders around Journey said, why don't we buy Bring Love in a house? Why don't we buy Bring Love in a house with our Journey Conspiracy Advent Edition special offering this year? Why don't we do that? Why don't we swing for the fence? In years past, we've picked up a significant piece of Bring Love In's ministry costs through providing school uniforms and lunches and such. 
But this year, let's like go for a grand slam and let's buy a house that we give to bring love in so that they won't ever have to pay rent on it because it belongs to them. Like Derry Long said last Sunday, we're not just doing that though because it's another good idea. We've got a million and one good ideas. Rather, we're choosing intentionally with great purpose to make that level of investment. It's about 35,000 or so of our $199,000 goal for a journey conspiracy Advent edition because that's one way, just one way we can serve one another the same way that Jesus Christ served us. And Jesus says, when you do that, when you do things like that, you're serving me. He says, we have the incredible privilege of being a part of that kind of service to God and his kingdom. One more thing before we get on the plane in Addis and head back to Bozeman. I don't have any doubt that some of you sitting here today, you have a longing, you have a prompting from the Lord to actually go and actually roll up your sleeves and serve some of the least of these, perhaps in Ethiopia in particular. And I want you to know that you're going to have that opportunity this coming summer. I invite you to stay tuned for more information about that. We want you to be a part of this team that goes every single summer and works with the Bring Love In kids. Now, we can't take all of you this year, but we want to take as many of you that feel prompted by the Lord to go. And I know we rule that stuff out. We're like, oh, it's so much money. I don't have the time. I don't know how it would all come together. Don't, whatever you do, please do not ignore that prompting from the Lord. It matters. God takes it very, very seriously, and I urge and invite you to take it very, very seriously. Don't blow it off. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to take up that assignment. I'm going to take up that call from you and just watch for more about that in the coming days. So Ethiopian Airlines has brought us back to Bozeman. We've loaded back in the church bus, and we're going to make our last stop. And it's right here at the Commons. We're going to drop you off where we started, aren't we? Nice. Journey Church, and I want us in particular to take a walk down the base camp ministry wing. Base camp is our ministry to kids ages six weeks through fifth grade. There's some of the kids right there. That kind of thing is happening right now over in the east wing of this building. And Journey, since we started, we've placed an incredibly high value on serving and ministering to kids. These days, actually, you'd be really hard-pressed to get me to back down from my belief that any other ministry in the church is more important than serving and reaching kids, helping kids know and connect with God. It's just that crucial, and it matters so much to God that our kids are served well and in such a way that they have a chance to meet him at the very earliest age possible. When we started Journey 10 years ago, we started a whole bunch of ministries around here with volunteer leaders. But serving kids was so important to us that we said, you know, we're not going to start our church until we have a paid kids pastor right from the very beginning. No messing around with kids ministry. Since those days, we've never once flagged in our commitment to create space for kids to explore faith in God. And this isn't just our idea to highly value the spiritual development of kids. Our God himself places an enormous value on serving and shepherding and discipling kids. Not everyone gets that, though. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus ran into one of these circumstances where not everyone gets that. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for Isn't that just beautiful? One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. The disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. And you notice an exclamation. Jesus gets all exercised 
about letting the kids, come on, let them come to me. Please don't stop them. Knucklehead disciples, don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven, he says, belongs to those who are like these children. And he, that's Jesus, placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. And around here, we read that text and we go like, oh yeah, we don't want to mess with kids coming to Jesus. That'd be bad, right? That'd be really, really bad. Do not get in the way of kids coming to Jesus. That's like a lookout kind of deal. And Journey, I don't know how else to say this, but at the moment, there are some things that are in the way of kids coming to Jesus in our base camp ministry, in our kids' ministry, and we got to fix them. we got to together, like, lock arms and get around this stuff, and it's all related to what we're talking about today, serving one another in the ways that Jesus served us. The first one is base camp volunteers. Now, if you already serve in a ministry around Journey, you can ignore me for the next few minutes. Tune me out, listen in, whatever you want to do there. But I want to talk very, very specifically, very directly to people who are not serving in any way around our church. And here's my ask to you. If you're not serving in any ministry around Journey, would you consider taking Jesus up on his challenge to serve one another by serving in base camp? Would you consider being a part of serving and helping children who mean so incredibly much to our God and Savior, Jesus Christ? Help them learn what it means to have a relationship with God and talk to God and hear from God and trust God and then go and do the thing that God's asking them to do. They don't have to wait till they're all big to do that stuff. They can do it now. They can do it now. And there just isn't anything more important than us serving kids in that way. And you saw Jesus get all exercised about the disciples keeping the children away from him. And you want to see me get similarly exercised. You talk about what happens in base camp being babysitting or childcare, And I'll put like 10 exclamation points after it. I'll go like, no way, not a chance. It's about serving kids, spiritual growth and development. It is huge. And some of you, I know, you hunger to make your one and only life on this earth count as much as possible for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And folks, right here, right now is a way. Just one way. There's a whole bunch of ways, I know, but here's just one way. And maybe you're going like, I don't know where to, here's a way you can start. Serve kids on Sundays in base camp. Be a part of helping kids meet Christ and grow in Christ. There's a few hundred kids, get that, A few hundred kids who attend base camp around here every single Sunday. And just think about Christ's impact through you on them. And how that could be an incredible part of the legacy you leave behind on this planet that you take to heaven with you for all of eternity. You can grab a card out of the chair pockets in front of you, put your name and contact information on there. Pastor Chris will, and her team will be in touch with you and help you get connected with being a base camp. And hear me say this, if you sign up to serve in base camp, I know there's this idea that you'll have to do it for like the next 40 years. It doesn't work like that. There's always exit strategies and you could say, I'm gonna give this three months or I'm gonna give this six months or I'm gonna give this one year. Chris will be happy to work with you around that. Then, related to base camp, we've got some infrastructure and capacity issues that are keeping kids from coming to Christ in base camp. This past week, my wife Dana and I, along with some other folks, were invited to be part of a panel discussion about, of all things, parenting. I'm like, what in the world do I know about parenting? 
at one of our Tuesday morning classes that we have here at the Commons. So the, we agreed to go, and at the appointed hour, I made my way over to the base camp wing of this building, and I found this room where this class was going to take place, and I welcome you making fun of me for this, but in the five years that this building has stood here, I have never once been into the classroom where this class was held. Not one single time had I been into this room. And I walked into the, the room where the class was going to, I, and I looked around, and my, it just came right out of my mouth. I said, good heavens, this room is terrible. This room is absolutely terrible. I actually said it to the class. I apologize. I said, I'm so sorry that you have to be subjected to this classroom. And I had my adult hat on at that point. But then for a moment, I took my adult hat off. I put my kid's hat on. I tried to see that room through a kid's eyes, and it got worse. It got way worse. Because, see, there isn't anything about that room that would even come close to inviting a kid to want to explore faith in God. Right, like here's God, Yahweh, the God of the universe, creator of the universe, and he's infinitely creative, infinitely beautiful, infinitely amazing, and we right now are putting hundreds and hundreds of kids into, sorry, builder beige rooms with business office carpeting and very little, if anything, that's fun or creative or beautiful or amazing about them. This ought not be. I just put my head in my hands and I said, oh, I'm so, so sorry. This ought not be. When a kid shows up to meet with God, when a kid shows up to be inspired to want to know God better, explore what knowing him looks like for them at their age, they ought to be treated to an age-appropriate design, age-appropriate decor, age-appropriate furnishings. Our service to the children of the Gallatin Valley ought to be at the very best level we can possibly give them. Which is why as our leadership team was talking together about the various pieces of a journey, conspiracy, Advent edition, this special offering we're working on together, what it would be used for, immediately we knew that a big slice of that offering needed to be toward better serving kids in base camp through improving and solving some infrastructure and capacity issues. Like without a question, there wasn't even a question about it. And we invite you to be a part of that should you choose. I'm way over time and we're gonna wrap up. And as we do that, Jesus' commendation to us to serve one another, folks, it stands to this very day. For 2,000 years, Jesus' commendation to us to serve one another has stood the test of time. This calling that our Savior, Jesus Christ, offers to all of us to abandon, to throw off, to give up the path of me and my and I and instead drape a serving towel over our arm and serve one another in such a way that the kingdom of God comes right here on earth just as it is in heaven. Today, folks, it is our challenge. Today, folks, that is our opportunity. Jesus is inviting you even today, to give yourself away in the love and the service of others. To start making your decisions based on the question, does this meet Jesus' directive for me to serve one another or does it not? Does this meet Jesus' directive for me to serve one another or does it not? And friends, every day we have a choice to make. Will we serve others in the way of Christ or will we not? And this choice is yours strictly yours in all honesty sometimes I get it right in all honesty sometimes I get it entirely wrong 
And when I choose myself over the service of others, I pay the price every time. It is so ugly. Other times, perhaps you know this, when you've dove into the deep end of the serve one another pool, if you've had that experience, you know there's not a greater thrill in the entire world. I can't tell you which one to choose. But I can tell you one thing, the rewards of serving one another in the way that Christ serve us, they will absolutely astound you. If you set your stuff aside and I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads if you would, just invite you to move into a posture of prayer and listening to the Lord. Our road trip's over. And we made three stops. One was at your house. Where we took up this idea, what does it look like for you to serve one another at the level of your heart? And perhaps the Lord's speaking to you about what that looks like for you. Cool thing about that is that you're probably, when we're done here, you're probably gonna go home and have a chance to make a run at that even this afternoon. If the Lord's urging you in that way, just say yes. Just say, okay, God, I'm gonna need some help here and he'll provide it. Some guidance, he'll lead. And just think about the relational dynamic that could entirely shift because of God's activity through you serving in your family someone in your family and then we went over to Ethiopia and we stood in front of one of those bring love in houses and we looked into the eyes of a widow who's always wanted to be a mom and she's finally getting to be one and we looked into the eyes of some kids who always wanted a family a forever family and they get to have one And we together say, God, how might you want to provide a house through Journey Church? How might you want to lead us in giving a gift that helps bring that to bear? And then some of us, some of us, we just know, we, I gotta go. I gotta go over there and I gotta smell it and touch it and put my arms around those kids and Love them with the love of Jesus Christ. Do that. Don't say no. Don't rule it out. Do that. And then last stop of our road trip, we came back here to the commons and we took a walk down the base camp wing. And we said, oh my goodness, there's hundreds of kids who God's asking us to serve and lead and minister to and show Jesus to, and we get an incredible opportunity to do that. And maybe some of you, you're like, okay, it's time for me to get off the bench. It's time for me to step onto the playing field of ministry and I'm gonna do it through base camp. Way to go to those of you who are taking God up at that invitation. 
And then maybe there's some others who feel inclined to give a gift that'll help make that space back there as kid-friendly as it can possibly be. So that when a kid walks in there, they're going, oh my goodness, I want to know this God. I want to walk with this God. I want to follow this God. I want to give my life to this God, this infinitely beautiful, infinitely creative God. And so Jesus, we say thank you so much for the way that you stepped out of heaven. You condescended yourself to our level. You put on human flesh, which is the greatest stoop that anyone could ever imagine for God to put on human flesh. What a descent that you made there. And you showed us what it looks like to give of ourselves, to live in a self-sacrificial way at the level of the heart and in so many other ways, Jesus. Thank you for being our model. Thank you for being our guide. We endeavor to follow suit and to serve one another. Help us do just that, please, Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.